This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Legal Lounge. If you haven't heard the shows in the first and second seasons, there's plenty of content worth a listen, with conversations and advice about divorce, injury claims and business partnerships. There are also some excellent episodes where you'll hear from local charities and learn about the amazing work they do. You can listen to these shows on your podcast app or by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, family solicitor Philippa Pearson talks to Suzanne Lowe from Talk Mediation about family law and mediation. They describe the mediation process which can take place face-to-face or via Zoom. Suzanne has specialist accreditation which enables her to speak direct with children and to feed back to the parents their wishes and feelings. Hello, I'm Philippa Pearson and today I would like to welcome Suzanne, Suzanne Lowe, who is with me and who is a fully accredited mediator. Now, Suzanne, would you mind um, explaining what your fully accreditation means? Well, it means that um, I'm fully accredited with the Family Mediation Council to deal with mediations involving finances on divorce and also dealing with children on divorce, but particularly um, with the children is that I'm accredited to actually talk to the children themselves, so to involve them in the mediation process. That's quite rare, actually, I find. Not very many mediators are actually trained to talk to children. And I know that it's it's not something that should be routine, but sometimes families do need to know what their children are thinking. It's really um, a step to be able to talk to the children about their wishes and feelings and feed that back to the parents. But it has to follow quite a strict criteria in that the parents would come for what they call the mediation information assessment meeting separately to discuss what the issues are from their point of view before they then have a joint meeting between the two of them only so that we can discuss what they are worried about or what the issues are. And at that meeting we discuss the possibility if they both agreed uh, as to whether or not I should speak to the children. But I would only agree to speak to the children if the parents were willing and able to take on board what the children said. I do the what if thing, you know, what if they come back and say something you don't like? What if they don't want to spend more time with you, mummy or daddy? What are you going to do with that? And they really have to confirm they will accept what the children say. Otherwise, there's no point in me talking to the children. Quite rightly, really strict guidelines. Mm, mm. Brilliant. And you're with Talk Mediation, who yes. are, are based in Hereford. But uh, that doesn't mean you're restricted to Hereford, no, does it? No, <laughs> um, based in Hereford, but with the advent of Zoom, or since lockdown, or the start of it, we're not restricted at all as to where we operate. Uh, so I've had clients recently, I've got one in New Zealand, uh, one in Morocco, one in Egypt, and I actually mediated myself whilst I was on holiday for two weeks in Barbados. I have realised that um, a lot of my clients really like the fact that they can have mediation by Zoom, particularly if they're not sure about being in the same room with yes. their, their ex-partner. They feel much more comfortable yes. with Zoom. And also they they quite like doing that that first mediation information and assessment meeting that you were talking about, which we all call MIAMs yes. in the trade. They like doing those by Zoom in particular as well, don't they? Because it means that they can just turn on the computer. and it, Yeah, it's very convenient because it means they don't have to do travelling and so on and so forth. Uh, they have the option though they can come and see me if they want to see me and some people do prefer that possibly older couples who are not so techy or whatever or just 
simply prefer the, the old-fashioned style of face-to-face. But Zoom also offers the option so that if they they are they might be on the same screen uh, in the joint meetings, but they can equally if they get upset, I can click them out and it says waiting room on my screen. So I can then say let's have some time out uh, for both of them, or I can I talk to one and then the other. They, I don't hold any secrets at that point it's free flowing information but sometimes it's easier for them to talk to me on their own about a particular part of the what we're discussing and then we get we we can go back to reconvene to a joint meeting so how would you describe the mediation process and and how it works Suzanne the clients come to me either they refer to solicitors who might complete a referral form or they pick up the phone themselves and say they've they've heard about mediation so the first thing would be to arrange what they call the mediation information assessment meeting the those are done separately, always separately, even if they think they're on the same page, there might be something that worries them. So they can talk freely in confidence. I don't repeat anything that's said in those meetings to the other person. Then I get a bird's eye view about what the stops might be, the challenges and the drivers. And then if they both want to then go on to a joint meeting, then I arrange a series of joint meetings. Some people come, they don't want to go to mediation, but if they're going to make an application to the court, they have to attend that initial assessment meeting. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realise that, Mm. that it's not a question of going to see your solicitor and saying, that's it, I want to issue proceedings straight away for, I don't know, it could be finances or it could be children, couldn't it? But they can't do that. The, The guidelines say you have to go and see a mediator, you must find out what the mediation process is and then make a a, a decision based upon knowledge yes and I know some people will will come to see you and will say no I I don't want to go into mediation that's fine you sign the form and then they'll come back to me and then we Mm. might issue proceedings in court others will say actually I'm really quite interested now and then you'll contact their other half and their other half will say well I'm not interested so we still might end up going to court but then lots of others stay with you don't they they do sometimes you find that even if the other person won't mediate at the time they might think about it later down the line so it isn't a one-stop shop or last chance saloon where they come to me they have to be signed off or they don't want to be signed off they can always come back and when we get into the stages where it's getting complicated or it's been going on for quite some time then they sometimes, well, quite often reconsider and come back to mediation. Mm, Absolutely. What I've had in the past, Suzanne, is sometimes where I've had, for instance, um, a client who's been suspicious about whether their, their other half will actually tell the truth about their finances and they've wanted to have the security of court proceedings to make sure that they've got absolutely everything they need to know about the other person's financial circumstances. They'll do that through me or through the court process but then once they know they know everything and they know what the parameters are of a of a good financial settlement then they'll say I'd like to give mediation a chance I don't want to end up in a big court hearing. I have experienced that working both ways so they'll come once they've done with dealt with the financial disclosure they know what they're looking at the other way is that they'll come to me and I will give them the list of information they've got to get together and any illusion that just because they're doing it in mediation on a voluntary basis doesn't mean it's a shortcut to hiding things or anything like that I can't mediate if we're not looking at all the information so if either I'm I've got concerns about that or one of them's got concerns then I'll say well, the mediation has to stop so it isn't a woolly process by any stretch of the imagination they work jolly hard in those mediation meetings and if the will's there for them to do it they will get to the point where they've got mutually acceptable terms yeah absolutely and of course one of the great things about you is that you 
were a lawyer in a past yes. life. <laughs> so uh, you spot things, don't you, Susan? <laughs> Absolutely. Which is marvellous. When people come to you then and they've got, for instance, children issues and they reach an agreement with you, how quickly would you expect a couple who are going to reach an agreement to reach an agreement within the mediation process? Um, if it's to do with children, that varies. But it, generally speaking, mediation sessions are about two or three meetings only. That's really They're an quick. hour and a half long. If they're straightforward... Even if it involves children, um, they can be done and dusted in about two to three mediation meetings. If it's more complicated with children or the ongoing issues, or maybe they have to try trial a way of the arrangements working, that what they tend to do is get those arrangements up and running and then review them at a later date. So it might be, if it's very fractious, it might be six weeks, or it might be prompted by it's the end of term or the school holidays. So they, they sign up sort of I put them vertical commas because they're not it's not legally binding but they've commit to trying a way of the arrangements might work and stick to it even if they get cross with each other mm. only would they go against it if there was some safeguarding issue and then they come back and review it and we say well what worked what didn't work what do we need to tweak here so hopefully uh, they then can develop the arrangement so they've got something that's quite solid and then you can put that into a memorandum of understanding for them uh, which they've got as a point of reference then, but it's not legally binding. No, and of course they can't produce it. No. If, they, if, they, if they leave that agreement within the memorandum of understanding and one of them then breaches it later on, they can't go waving it in front no. of a judge saying this no. has been breached. No. So I suppose that the, the lesson there is that hopefully there's been enough trust built up between the couple that their memorandum of understanding is all they need and they trust each other and they stick to the arrangements forever and lots of people would do that. Yes. But for those where the trust breaks down or they're not quite certain it would be a good idea to come back to their lawyers once they've reached an agreement in, in mediation and say to the lawyers, can you just put it either either in a court order, which yes. is enforceable, or alternatively into a parenting agreement, which, albeit not enforceable by the courts, is pretty good evidence. Yes, if somebody then can, goes ahead and you can it. wave that in front of the court. Absolutely, where you can't yes. Do that with the memorandum understanding. So that applies equally to uh, with the finance side. You would definitely well any I always say to the clients your lawyers will always want you to put that into at least a deed of separation to protect you both if not in a court order if you're going through the divorce proceedings. Absolutely and of course the wonderful thing about reaching an agreement in mediation is that you keep some control over it you haven't handed it over to a a third party like a judge. Absolutely. So when they come to you to uh, sort out finances and again I know one of the wonderful things that I find in recommending clients to you Suzanne is that you use a calculator you know what you're doing you can do the maths (laughs) and a flip chart Uh, and a flip chart absolutely um and you also have the alarm bells ringing at exactly the right moment you know when you look at at the finances you know when you have to have a valuation of a business for instance or there has to be an actuary's report so that you get a proper pension sharing arrangement sorted out I know that you you do all of that, but do you find that when people have got complex finances, that it's helpful if they've got the advice of of their lawyer in the background, as it were, whilst they're Uh, doing it? Sometimes it really depends what stage they come to mediation. If they've already gone through that disclosure exercise with their lawyers, they'll have that. But if they're in the early days of it, I tend to encourage them to get 
the information together so we can have a good look at it because the lawyer will only be able to advise on that information anyway. So I would say to them it's a three partnership really, it's you with the mediator, them with me, the mediator and the lawyers there to then do all the legals on it. But they, if they do a lot of the legwork in the mediation meetings, obviously they cut down on the cost of um, uh, having uh, lawyers there, but the lawyers are very much needed. So yes, they will they will bring the information. And then I, because of my background and my experience, I will be able to spot straight away if we need a values report or a accountant's report or to value a business or a company or a partnership or anything like that. And I know that what you do then is you send them back to the lawyers so that the lawyers agree the letters of instruction yes. so that the expert, the valuer usually, yes. um, is inst- is instructed properly so that God forbid, if everything does go wrong and they do end up in court, you you can use those reports and Absolutely. the expert evidence and you haven't wasted all, all that money. So it's really good to have that sort of two-way process, I suppose, isn't it, with the with the lawyers in the background and being used Definitely. whilst they're in mediation. Yeah. Mediation isn't to the exclusion of talking to the solicitors. It's not that they're about they're part of it. They're part of the safety net for the client. So they've got the safety net for always being able to talk to their solicitors at any point, but they'll probably do it less because they're in mediation. And hopefully feeling they've got a safe pair of hands with me because of my background and experience. And knowing that the meetings are on this without prejudice basis, which is just legal jargon, he's not gonna shoot themselves in the foot. Coming up with a memorandum of understanding, which is also a safety net, it's not binding until it goes back to the lawyers, and then the lawyers do the legals on it. So they should feel they've got their, they've got their, their hands are being held throughout and supported throughout it um, from both the lawyer point of view and also my, on my side. And once they've reached that agreement with you, um, they and, and I know people would think, oh, lawyers, they would say that, wouldn't they? But it is so important to go back to your lawyers after that and get that agreement either put into a court order that is made binding and completely enforceable or into a deed of separation. Because it, it's it basically, well, you can only have a pension sharing order if you have a court order yeah. anyway. You cannot share a pension unless you've got a court order. But also it's only a court order that will dismiss people's financial claims against each other so they can't come back a few years later and say I'd like a second bite of the cherry I've seen you've just inherited I'd or you've got a new that. car yes <laughs> I mean sometimes it's oh well we will just go off and it's fine I'll oh. say well you have to think about the what ifs what if one of you wins the lottery tomorrow what if what if you get another other partner what if what if and so I would say in my experience a lawyer will always say to you that at the very least you should get it into a deed of separation at the very least and and if not that then a court order and if you're actually going through the divorce proceedings why wouldn't you is there's a mechanism there to do it and then you're fully protected they're both fully protected I have to say I mean I've got a couple of cases on at the moment where people went to mediation reached an, a financial agreement in mediation didn't get it properly signed off as a court order and uh, are, are back in court which means just twice the cost yeah well Suzanne thank you very very much for coming in today and explaining so clearly how the whole mediation process works with family law it's been a pleasure uh, and I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more work with each other thank you thanks to Philippa and our special guest Suzanne for lending their expertise if you need legal help from either of them please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk if you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialist for an upcoming episode please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast thanks for listening if you found the conversations helpful please remember to follow review and share the episodes and don't forget to go back and check out some of the shows from the other seasons speak to you soon Mm -hmm.
That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.